Uh, today is officially Trinity Sunday when we would normally, what would happen in, in Trinity Sundays is, is this is all about recognizing uh, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God who is in constant, loving, eternal, self-giving relationship with himself. He is, it's, it's a moment to mark the relational God, the God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And um, and that's normally what you celebrate on Trinity Sunday. And, and I think this is relevant to us at the moment, because while I recognize absolutely 100% that uh, that this crisis has impacted people in all kinds of different ways, uh, whether it's people losing jobs or people's business income completely just uh, drying up, whether it's people actually becoming ill themselves or having other procedures cancelled or whether it's losing loved ones. It, it's it's impacted people, like Jenny said in, in her thing at the top with her, her children in the bath, uh, in the bathroom, they weren't actually in the bath, um, you know, this has impacted people in very different ways. We want to acknowledge that, that there's all manner of different ways that this has, this crisis has impacted people. But I want to suggest that one of the greatest challenges of this crisis, I don't know if you would agree with me, is that actually the hardest thing has been our, the way that it has limited us and made it more difficult to, to sustain and build and grow relationships in normal ways. It's our relationships that have been impacted the most, I would say. And yes, lots of different impacts, like I said, on, on people in different ways. But overall, for the majority, it's our relationships that have been impacted. Um, now, just, just from me, kind of my perspective personally, in some ways, uh, I've actually quite enjoyed lockdown. Um, the, the way I describe it is that, you know, my, my work is, is church. Obviously, I'm employed full time by the church and uh and and church has got complicated you might have noticed it becomes quite difficult to do church in in without being able to meet together with other people and um, but the rest of my life has actually simplified somewhat and um, it, it just has our Saturdays are now full you know kind of family days with nothing else happening on them no birthday parties to go to no expectation of meeting up with other people it, it, it's simplified our life and in some ways I've you know I can't complain because I've had the joy of spending um pretty much all day every day with my favorite people in the world my family and and so in some ways I've I've, I've actually quite enjoyed lockdown and we as a family have enjoyed it. We've we've enjoyed spending more time with one another, but in other ways, I've struggled. It's been hard. the The biggest thing that I miss is is other people, is seeing other people, interacting, enjoying the company of other people, sharing meals with other people, worshiping God together in in a church setting with other people people I miss you guys the church it's, it's not the same is it even online it's great but it's it's not the same as being together I think initially when we hit this lockdown I was probably quite naive um, about how long it would take before we would get back to to kind of normal and um, I think we you know remember the last Sunday we met together at the Gateway Centre and we thought well you know it looks like lockdown is going to come and um, but maybe in you know, two, three months, we'll be back together 
um, you know, meeting other people. I think, to be honest, we are now facing the prospect that we won't be able to meet together as a whole church family the way we were doing before for many, many months to come. That's the reality uh, that we are facing here. And, and that grieves me. That saddens me. That's a painful thing to have to try and embrace. And like when Paul writes to the, the church in Thessaloniki and he talks about having an intense longing to see you again. That's what he says to them when he writes to them. I have an intense longing to see you again. That's how I feel. I have this intense longing to see you all again properly in person. This is great, but, but it also reminds us, doesn't it, of what we are missing. It reminds us of the fact that we're not together with one another in person. That's what I'm struggling with most, the, the relationship challenges that come with lockdown. And I know that many of you are, are suffering in the midst of this crisis in significant ways relationally as well. I've talked with lots of you. And, and you talk about how it's hard. And then most of you immediately feel guilty for, for, for kind of saying that it's hard because you realize and you think, oh, but so-and-so has got it so much worse and those people have got it so much worse. And that is true. There are some people, no doubt, in the world who have it harder than you do. But it's also good to acknowledge that it is hard, that this is difficult. Seeing somebody else, you know, finding it even harder and having more difficult circumstances doesn't mean that it's not hard for you and and it we need to be open and admit that this is difficult at times i know some of you have been unable to visit elderly relatives and um, some of whom are nearing the end of life and you're fearful about missing their final days that's really hard i know some of you as new parents have been unable to to show off your new child to friends and relatives and allow them in to see your little one developing in, in, in all the ways that they're developing and you're fearful that they're going to miss out, your relatives and friends are going to miss out on seeing your child grow and develop. That's really hard. I, I know some of you as grandparents just so badly want to gather up your grandkids and give them a great big hug, but you can't. That's really hard. I know some of you are single and you live alone and these, this whole lockdown thing has made you far more aware of your singleness than you've ever been and you feel more isolated than ever. That's really hard. I know some of you who are, who are widowed, you've lost your lifelong spouse and you miss them now more intensely than you have ever missed them. That's really hard. I know some of you are stuck under one roof with someone or with other people who you'd actually really rather not be. And what's left of your relationship with that person is being ripped apart and ripped to shreds because it's so difficult, this intensity of living with somebody where the relationship just wasn't right to start with. That's really hard. I know some of you are just missing friends and family and colleagues and being around people just missing that really intensely that's really hard and do you know why we're finding that so hard when our relationships have been curtailed it's because we are made in the image of a relational god we're made in the image of a god who is in relationship with himself we're made to interact with and be close to one another that's why this crisis is so hard We've had that taken away from us or limited. 
in some way. So, so it's hard. It is difficult, and we need to acknowledge that. Now, what what does God have to do with any of this? Like, what might God be saying to us in the midst of this? What do we do with this difficult season that we find ourselves in that may well continue for some time to come? Well, guess what? We're not the first generation to hit a crisis. <laughs> We're not the first set of people in history who have found themselves with something difficult to overcome. This isn't about belittling what we're facing now, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. But every generation faces its challenges. We don't want to downplay this current situation, but we want to see it in the context of history. And we want to acknowledge that every generation faces some kind of trial or difficulty. And we find that in the Bible. In fact, what we find more than kind of anything is that it's more normal for people to be facing hardship than it is for people to be in a place of comfort, actually. Most generations we read about in the Bible are facing significant trials, not dissimilar to what we're facing now in terms of magnitude, even if it looks a little bit different. The writer of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, uh, we don't actually know who wrote um, the book of Hebrews. Uh, it could have been a man, could have been a woman. There are kind of theories. Was it Paul? Probably not. Was it Apollos? Maybe. We don't actually know. But the, the writer was, was most likely writing to a group of people who lived in Rome around about 30 years after Jesus had died and risen again. Now, these people had suffered great persecution because of their faith. Uh, the writer describes how some of them had been exposed to public ridicule, some of them had been beaten, some of them had been thrown in jail, and some of them had actually had all that they owned taken from them. That's really hard, right? That's, that's significant hardship. So what does the author of Hebrews advise to these people? What does he, what he or she say to these people going through this hardship? Well, the answer is a lot, obviously. There's a whole book written. It was likely written actually as a, as a preach um, that was then shared around in kind of written form. But, but, but I want to just focus on a couple of verses that I think are going to be of encouragement to us today uh, in our situation. So just to kind of summarize, um, th that description of the hardship that these people in Rome are facing comes right at the end of Hebrews chapter 10. And if you know your New Testament, you'll know that then in, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, what the writer does is the writer goes through a list of these kind of heroes of the faith, these people who are famous in the Old Testament, uh, people who uh, who had uh, put their faith in God and demonstrated this faith in action. But what, he, what the writer does is he describes these people, he or she describes these people, and, and, and basically uh, says, look, all of these people uh, earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Each time that the, the, the writer mentions somebody, they mention the hardships that they face, and they say, look, they are going through these hard times. And the, the, the writer acknowledges 
um, their hardship, but then says, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Interesting. What was the one big promise that God had given from the start that these heroes of the faith in the Old Testament didn't get to see? <laughs> or, or who <laughs> was that promise? It was the Messiah. It was Jesus coming to rescue and redeem and restore all things. Do you see where this is going? The, the, the author is acknowledging that the hardship of the people in Rome, saying, yes, you've got it so hard. But then the author says, look at these people in the Old Testament. They had it hard too. And, and, and the author is saying, look, when we hit hardship like this, I know of only one thing I can point you to. I know of only one person I can point you to. And it's Jesus. We read uh, Hebrews chapter 12, um, starting at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. The famous famous verses aren't there let us you know let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that trips us up yeah let's get ruthless with sin in our lives let's allow God to keep changing us and purifying us and convicting us and helping us to live as if the power of sin has been broken because the power of sin has been broken in our lives and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us God has set this race before us. An interesting thought. Maybe we can flip that around a little bit. Think about it like this. Way before this crisis hit, God saw it coming. And guess what? He decided that you would be a part of this generation that faces this crisis. Long ago, God knew that this would be part of your story. He knew that the coronavirus crisis would be a chapter in the story of your life. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? That gives me great confidence, actually. And what is God's heart for you in this chapter of your life? I believe that his heart for you, there's all kinds of things God's, God wants to do, no doubt, in your life in this. But one significant thing that I think God wants to do in my life and in your life in this season is he wants us to run with endurance. Now, I'm not what you would describe as a natural runner. Um it doesn't come naturally to me running. I wasn't that kid uh, in school, the annoying child that you probably all had in your class growing up who it was like they, they were just born with an ability to run. They, they, they just won every race they entered. Uh, and no matter how hard you tried, you were just not as fast or as strong as that person. I am not and, and have never been a natural runner uh, but I went to a, a secondary school and uh, and I was good at triple jump actually uh, for some reason I think it was it was 
just from watching it on TV, I would clock that you had to do like a hop and then a step and then a jump. And uh, and quite a lot of people just couldn't get it. So it turned out that I was quite good in my year group at this. And uh, and I could hop, skip and jump a little bit further um, than some of the other people in my class. And what happened uh, in, in my school, and uh, some of you might have grown up in the York area, might have had this as well, is that once a year, if you were good at any of the kind of athletic disciplines, uh, there was an event that happened at the old Rydale Stadium, the old Huntington Stadium that has now been levelled and they've built a nice new community stadium there. And, uh, and all these other schools from across the region would descend together at the Rydale Stadium and you would compete against the best people uh, in your kind of sport or discipline from other schools. And, uh, and, and I got there for the triple jump and uh, it turned out being good at my school didn't equate to being good across the region and I was pretty terrible compared to most people and came pretty low down. And uh, the thing about my school was, I don't know if it was just a lack of sporty people who went to my school. Um, or just people couldn't be bothered. But anyway, we didn't have enough people to fill every single sporting um, kind of category or discipline. And, uh, and, and my PE teacher came to me as we arrived at, at the stadium, at Rydell Stadium, and said, um, how would you feel about running in the 400 metres? Uh, I'm not sure I'd actually ever run 400 metres in my life. I've done other, you know, done sprints and I've done a we used to have to do cross country at school, which was quite a long way. I'm not sure how far, but I'm, I'm not sure I'd ever run 400 metres. Anyway, my PE teacher said, would you be up for it? For it? And I said, yeah, why not? Uh, quite like the idea of, uh, of, you know, running around a proper 400 metre track, like an athletic track, never run on a track before. My school just had a grass field to run on. And, uh, and so I, uh, I, I was like, yes, I'm up for it. Now, somebody gave me some advice on the day as I was preparing, because as soon as I said, yes, I think, well, what, how do you run a 400 metres? Like, I guess you just run. Somebody said to me, um, actually, a 400 metres um, is more like just a long sprint. So you should be able to, to sprint it, like on running on your toes the entire way around. Um, it's, it's not an endurance event, this 400 metres. So I thought, great. OK, so line myself up. You know, there, there are all the, the proper people who know what they're doing in their little starts down on all fours. Some of them have got spikes on some brought their own like starting blocks. I'm just stood there in my PE kit and my trainers like this on the start line. And, uh, and the starting gun goes off and I run off from the start, sprinting my way um, on, on the, you know, my toes, giving it all. I probably got about 150 metres and realised I, I had no way of maintaining that all the way around. Um, and, and, and by the end of the race, I come in near the back of the field with some people finished many, many seconds ahead of me. Um, just jogging along on my heels. Uh, I learned a lesson that day that actually for me, 400 metres is an endurance race. It might not be for Michael Johnson or whoever else is good at 400 metres. For me, that is an endurance race. And I have to pace myself and think about how I get to the end rather than going as fast as I can. The reality is, is that life is an endurance race. This crisis that we are in is an endurance race. It is not a sprint. This isn't a, I think we're all realizing that now, aren't we? This wasn't like a hunker down for a couple of weeks and we'll get through. There are going to be, uh, life is going to look very different over the next uh, few months and potentially years. This is an endurance race. We need to recognize that. 
someone once told me <laughs> that running like jogging i've taken up jogging again recently actually and i was reminded of this running along uh that that sometimes endurance running is about falling forward and sticking a leg out in front of you to catch yourself, to stop your face hitting the floor, and then sticking out another one and stopping yourself from falling again. It's like falling forward, but just catching yourself each time. Sometimes running the, the, the life endurance race is a bit like falling forward and catching yourself before you fall step after step. Sometimes it can feel like that when you're in an endurance race. I think in this season, God is wanting to grow endurance in us. Just this morning, actually, I was reading um, 2 Corinthians at chapter 1, just came up in my reading plan. And uh, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says this, he says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. They were going through hardship. Paul and his companions going through to the point where they, they said we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to walk to endure this was like we're, we're trying to endure but we're overwhelmed we're feeling overwhelmed we're feeling crushed at this point we actually didn't think we would be able to survive this but what did he say they learned as a result as a direct result of the hardship that they faced we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God here's the thing about endurance okay you can't grow endurance sitting in a classroom learning theory about endurance that's not how it works you can only grow endurance when you have an opportunity to, to kind of put it into practice and to grow it just like you can't grow patience without circumstances that try your patience you can't grow compassion without meeting broken people face to face. You can't grow integrity unless you face difficult decisions. This is one of those things, endurance in us, that we, we can't learn just by reading our Bibles and theorizing about it. We grow in endurance when we hit difficult circumstances that, that go on for a long time. <laughs> That's the reality. You can't grow physical endurance without running further and faster. And we can't grow spiritual endurance unless we persevere through difficult times. Right now, in this season, we have an opportunity to grow our endurance. And how do we do this? Well, if we go back to those verses in Hebrews talking about, you know, we've just looked at them, let us strip off every weight so da, 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 and let us run with endurance the race God set before us. The very next verse, the author gives us the answer of how we do this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. How about that? <laughs> I mean, 
sometimes it feels like it's just an oversimplification, right? It can't be that simple, can it? How do we endure hardship? How do we get through this difficult season? The author of the book of Hebrews acknowledges the pain and the hardship, the troubles, the challenges that these people are going through and says, let us run with endurance the race God set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the one who gives us our faith, who's at the heart of our faith and who completes our faith. That's why for us as a church, one of our distinctives we talk about is Jesus at the head and heart of our faith is a person. It's all about him. In this season, we need to be keeping our eyes on Jesus. And as we look to him, he will change us from the inside out. He will grow endurance in us. He will perfect our faith. We'll come out the other side of this looking more like him, having built up greater endurance if we keep our eyes on him. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Sometimes it might feel like you're running well and, and you've got the stamina to keep going. Other times it'll feel like you're just falling forward and sticking out a foot in the hope that it'll stop you from hitting your face on the ground. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When you read the news and it's really hard to read and it's difficult and you're reminded of how difficult this situation is, keep your eyes on Jesus. When you're tempted to give in to fear, keep your eyes on Jesus. When you feel that intense longing to see people again and be with people and maintain and build and grow relationships with others, keep your eyes on Jesus. What does it look like to keep our eyes on Jesus. Well, if we were back at the Gateway Centre uh, and doing a normal length of talk, I'm sure I would go into some practical details of how we could do that. We're not going to have time to do that today. I, I, I want to say it's going to be different for you to how it is to me in terms of the practical outworkings. But I, I, I want to suggest, I want to ask the question, are you getting quality time with Jesus? Like, are you building and investing in this season in your relationship with him? Keeping your eyes on Jesus isn't just a kind of theoretical, oh, I'll try and keep mindful of Jesus. Yes, that's helpful. And we need to do that. And that is a big part of it of, yes, when I hit this situation or when I hear this news or when when my heart starts to be downcast, I draw my eyes and my attention to Jesus. But let's invest in our relationship with him as well. Let's make time to spend that quality time with him, reading the stories about him in the Bible, praying to him at worshipping him. Let's invest in our relationship with him so that when circumstances try us, when we feel the, the pain of the challenge that we're facing, we're more likely to lift our eyes to him if we're deepening day by day our relationship with him. We need to try and be aware of his presence with us throughout our days, throughout this crisis. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Uh, in a moment, I'm just going to hand back to Jenny, uh, who's going to lead us through sharing communion together, which 
is a really great way of just reminding ourselves and one another that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the, the, the one unchanging kind of person and thing in this whole situation. He's the, the firm foundation that we can build our lives on. So we want to keep our eyes on him and we want to share communion together um, as a way of just remembering Jesus and all he's done for us. Uh, so I, I just want to pray and then I'm going to hand back to Jenny. Father, I thank you that you knew that this was going to come and you decided that we, me and every person listening to this was going to be around and alive to go through and walk through this crisis. And I want to thank you that your heart for me and for each person here is that we would endure, that we would dig our roots deeper into you in this season, that we would lift our eyes to Jesus, the one who initiates and perfects our faith. God, I want to thank you that we are not alone in walking through these challenging times. Father, I want to pray for every single person participating in this service this morning. God, I want to pray that you would draw near as we lift our eyes to you, that we would know your comfort with us, that we would know your presence and your power with us in the midst of these difficult times. God, I want to thank you that you have not abandoned us or forsaken us. You are always the same yesterday, today and forevermore and that we can draw near to you and find comfort and find the strength to endure that we need today and in the weeks and months ahead. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you are. Would you help us to celebrate you now as we come to share communion together and as we move back into a time of worship later on? We want to lift our eyes to you together as a church family. Amen.